What's up, guys? Jordan Syatt here. I'm super excited to be on the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. This is the one-stop shop for all things coaching. We do not stop at training nutrition. No, we go much deeper, and we cover all things personal development. That is the goal with this podcast. It's for me to be able to coach you through these speakers and help you personally develop into your best self possible. If you are new to this podcast, please do me a favor. Check out our top four most downloaded, most played, and favorite episodes voted by you, the listener, in the show notes right now. Nutrition FAQ, Training FAQ, Nutritional Periodization, and My Personal Journey into Fitness. I am your host, Cody Boom Boom McBroom, and I am super excited for you guys to be here today. Today we have uh, somebody I would consider a good friend now because we just hit it off so well. We talked before and after the podcast, and there's probably going to be more of us in the future. His name is Jordan Syed. A lot of people know him from working specifically with Gary Vee over the last, I want to say he said three years. It's been a long time. He actually just recently um, didn't resign, but he slowed down or, or is training him less frequently, which you will hear about in this episode. You'll hear a little bit about his experience with that, um, but we're going to go much deeper into training than just talking about Gary V. Um, I love Gary V. I'm a big fan of Gary V. He's influenced me as an entrepreneur over the years. Um, and it's definitely something I think worth hearing Jordan speak about. But the reality is, is I think a lot of people have already interviewed him on that. And I really wanted to touch base with him on program design because it's something that I think gets overlooked in our industry. Not enough people prioritize program design, having a creative but intelligent structure inside your training. But not, on top of that, Jordan is a badass when it comes to program design, and him and I have some history uh, or similar um, experiences, philosophies, and methods, and people we've known, and a lot of different things in each of our past uh, that are very congruent with one another. So it was really cool for me to have somebody of his caliber come on the podcast and really just bullshit and talk shop about program design, and man, do we cover a lot, and we got really specific on what is going to be best for the majority of general population. And I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode because again, Jordan and I hit it off. Um, we talked about doing a seminar together. We talked about a lot of stuff you're going to listen to. Um, and it, and I think it came to his surprise at how much, and it came to my surprise too, how much we actually have in common, how much we agree on. So rather than this being a debate, I think you're going to really love this episode because as I would ask him questions and I shared the same philosophy, we would just go deeper on a topic and expand upon it more. So you had more detail and more specificity to actually apply into your training and your programs specifically. So you guys are really going to like this episode. I won't talk too much longer because I want you guys to get the, uh, the meat and potatoes from the actual episode you're about to listen to. Jordan is a great human being. I really enjoyed talking to him. I really enjoyed connecting with him. He is somebody I would gladly call a friend. I really hope we can do more work together in the future because, again, we hit it off. But he's also just really smart. He's a very good coach. And him and I use those terms with uh, strong feelings, I guess you could say. And we talked about the importance of being a true coach and what that actually means. And, and I just vibed with his message a lot. So I'm, I'm really excited. For, to bring this podcast to you guys so you can get an insight into uh, how Jordan and I both do what we do. And that's 
coaching. Um, before I get into the episode, guys, remember real quick, the two best ways to help me grow this podcast and get more people listening, more people learning, and more people better results around the world. Number one is going to be to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. And number two is going to be to take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your story so Jordan and I can see it, and thank you for spending this hour listening to us and learning with us and growing with us, and then also so we can help spread this message and get more people listening to this podcast so they can learn as well. You can tag me at Cody.BoomBoom, and you can tag Jordan at Syatt Fitness. Um, and without any further ado, let's get on to this amazing episode with the one and only Jordan Syatt. All right, Jordan Syatt, man, I'm excited for you to be here for a few reasons. Um, as we were just discussing before we started recording, but I had to get this, this thing going because we were going to start spitting too much value for people that I didn't want them to miss. But before we go into anything, I assume most people know who you are. Um, I posted... Uh, a while ago before we had to reschedule just like hey he's coming on the show what do you want to learn and a lot of people are excited for you to be here so I know most people know you but I want to dive into your story man a lot of people know you from Gary Vee and training him and, and all the stuff you do today and you have a massive following and you provide such great content to everybody out there listening and following but I want to dive into how it all started because you actually have a really long and respectable background inside the industry and I think there's not that many people that understand what it takes to get to where you are today. Um, so I'm excited to uncover that. So um, let's dive into that first, man. Like, I mean, you can give a brief introduction to who you are real quick, and then let's dive into like how this all started in the first place. Awesome, man. Well, dude, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm super excited to talk program design, West Side, conjugate method. Uh, this is going to be fun. I can feel it. I'm really excited. Um, so basically, I got into training and fitness from wrestling. I was a wrestler my whole life. I started at eight years old uh, and it was, I was obsessed with it. Just like my whole life from eight years old was like wrestling and girls. That's all I thought about. <laughs> um, and so by the time I got to high school, I made varsity as a freshman, but I had to cut a lot of weight. So I was cutting from like 112 to 103. Um, but as a freshman on varsity, I was going up against like juniors and seniors. So I was good technique wise. I was good endurance wise. I was good uh, like as a technical wrestler, but strength wise, just, I wasn't there with the older kids. So I wanted to learn, all right, well, how do I get stronger while cutting weight and all this stuff? So I applied to a, a couple gyms around me uh, because I wanted to learn how to strength train. The first gym turned me away. They're like, no, like our clients don't want a high school kid walking around. And the next gym, they took me on and it was a huge blessing because they introduced me to Eric Cressy and Dan John and Pavel Totsulin and uh, Joe DeFranco, they, they introduced me to a lot of these big names of the time who were very science-based. And so from 14 years old, I was in the science-based industry and I sort of skipped over a lot of the magazine workouts and a lot of the nonsense and went right into a really higher level performance industry. And I was really fortunate on that front. Um, and that's sort of where it all kickstarted. And then from there, I worked there all through high school. After high school, I took a year off. I, I lived in Israel for a year. Um, after I was in Israel, I came back. I went to school. I went to the University of Delaware. And I originally went in for exercise science. But I quickly switched because by this point in time, I'd already spent four plus years reading higher level strength training and conditioning. And one of the things I realized was you could have the best program in the world. You could have the single best written program in the world. But if you actually work with real people, and you're not just like an internet coach, you're like a real coach, like people who like you actually work with, even if you work with people online, but you don't just say you coach people, you actually coach people, you realize that most people don't stick to a program. And so more than 
learning the intricacies of program design after a certain point, it was more important for me to realize, okay, why are people making decisions they're making? Why aren't they sticking to programs? Why aren't they being consistent? And so I switched to behavioral health psychology to learn more of the psychology and emotion and behavior change behind what people are doing and why. So that's what I specialized in. And uh, I started powerlifting at that time. Uh, I was fortunate. I did very well with powerlifting. I trained at Westside Barbell for a while, uh, trained at Cressy Sports Performance for a while. I ended up deadlifting four times my body weight. I pulled 535 at 132. And and then after that, I, I retired from powerlifting because just humans are not made to lift that amount of weight consistently. And, um, and then from there, it's mostly just been putting out content online on my website. I started my website in 2011, um, wrote a t- over 500 articles there, done a lot of my YouTube, done a lot of my Instagram podcasts. And then after I graduated college, I moved to Israel because I had an online business at that point. And so I was living in Israel and then through a crazy chain of events, I, I got the job. I got an opportunity to work and coach with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. So I coached Gary for seven days a week, three years straight. And I literally just a week and a half ago, my last day with him uh, was about a week and a half ago. So now I'm on a three month sabbatical from that. And I'm just doing my own thing in New York. And then I'll start coaching him again in three months. I love it, dude. There's so many things I want to pick apart with that. It's kind of funny too, listening to your story. Cause um, so I'm a little bit younger than you in this game, but I, so when I first went to school and started like studying this stuff, I met a guy named Tim Vagan and I had no idea who I was being introduced to, but same exact thing, man. He's like, Oh, meet my friend, Gray Cook or Mike Boyle in Charlie <laughs> Weingroff. And I'm just like, Oh, cool. Like these are cool guys. Like, let me learn from them. And like later like, when I talk to geniuses of all time, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I got, I kind of walked into a really great scenario too. And I love that you said you started your blog, uh, or you were writing blogs in 2011, you said, like, that's eight years ago. And it's, it's consistency. And it's funny, because I just recently posted a picture of my first blog in 2012. And it was just horrible. But Terrible. the point was so bad to go look at those. You're like, Oh, my God, I can't believe I thought this was good at one time. Exactly. But it's so good, too, because you're like, man, I've been putting out this stuff for so long, just trying to provide free content and value. Like, that's what it really takes to grow and do these things. Um, but you said something I want to ask about, because I get the question all the time, like, how do I start my online business? How do I coach people online? And I, my first answer is like, have you coached people in person? Cause I think you should start there, but I want to get your opinion on that too. Cause I think it's so valuable to just learn how to coach in person first. Man, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. And I know you, you listened to my podcast with DeFranco and I have always said coaching people in person will make you a better online coach, but coaching people online will not make you a better in-person coach. Mm-hmm. It's a really important thing to understand. Um, especially nowadays. It, it, it's funny. I'll get DMS from, from people who want to be a coach and it could be college kids. It could be middle-aged men and women. It doesn't matter. I get people all the time being like, Hey, you know, I see you're an Instagram coach. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not an Instagram coach. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's remove that from our vocabulary. Like, I'm a coach, and I started in a gym, and, I, and like, that's where you become a coach. You don't become a coach from Instagram. You don't become a coach from coaching people online. You become a coach from being in the trenches, coaching real people. And that's where you learn not only, like, how, to, like, how the body moves, but how each individual human moves differently than other humans and how to cue per individual mm. and not only per individual, but per personality type introverts versus extroverts. Like some people prefer this, some people prefer that. Like you learn that 
in a gym and you look at different people and how they respond to different cues and to different coaching styles and you learn literally how to shape shift as a coach to the client and you learn how to become a very high level, very intuitive coach. It's funny, like people talk about intuitive eating. It's like you only become an intuitive eater through first practicing, tracking your calories, understanding. You only become an intuitive coach by first getting in there, coaching a ton of people, learning how to do it, repetition, 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 until all of a sudden it looks flawless and like you don't have to try, but it took years and years and years and thousands of clients to get to that point. I love it, dude. I, I could not agree more. And, and I try to say it all the time. And this is one of my battles with not really a battle, but there's so much good science out there, but I would not all scientists or people in the labs are actually coaching people in person. So the ones that are, I respect so much more because science is one thing. Application is another. That's why I love guys like Joe DeFranco that we just talked about because he, he listens to science, but he has so much anecdotal experience and he trusts that just as much, if not more. Oh my God. It's, it's one of those things where I, I'm in a complete agreement where it's one thing to do something in a lab in a controlled environment where you have control variables and like everything is a perfect bubble scenario. It is a completely and utterly different scenario when you're with people in a gym setting and it's not a bubble. And that was one of the things I hated about the exercise science degree is like, I'm learning from professors who learned from a textbook who never actually coached a single person and they're just like saying, well, it's like this rep range and this rep range and that's it. And this is the set. This is the rep. This is the whatever. This is the rest period. I'm like, have you actually, because at this point, by the time I got to college, I'd already been coaching people for like four or five, six years. And I can tell they'd never actually coached anybody. Mm -hmm. And there's a massive discrepancy between the research, like what you're doing like in a, in a lab versus what you're doing with real people. And it doesn't mean there's not carryover. There's absolutely carryover and you can't ignore one or the other. But I think a lot of people are, they're too quick to only go to the, look at the, what the lab says and, and overlook what's actually going on in the gym. I love that, dude. I could not agree more. This is so cool too, because I wasn't planning on talking about this at all, but I think it's so... <laughs> So relevant. But another thing that's really relevant is this whole thing with Gary Vee that you just, and I actually just watched, um, I saw it the other day and I was like, I need to watch that before I talk to him, but your YouTube video about, um, leaving Gary and, uh, it obviously got a lot of attention. You had a ton of views on that. Um, and I thought it was really cool, like how you approached it in the view, like the lessons behind it. So I would love it if you could share those lessons you learned from being with him. Cause as we discussed before this, like like, I don't think people really get it. And I don't even get it because I wasn't in your shoes, but I can understand like how crazy that must have been because dude, I've been a Gary Vee fan for a long time, just as an entrepreneur. And I used to like watch his videos where he's just telling you to shut up and stop watching Netflix and fucking hustle. And it would like amp me up in the morning and it like knowing his lifestyle, I can't imagine traveling with him and, and constantly going into that. And the fact that you've run such a successful business and had a big following and made such an impact while doing that it's unbelievably respectable, man. So commend you for that. And, and I would love to hear and you to tell the listeners like your biggest takeaways from that period of time. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. And I, and if you watch the video, you'll see like, I really go out of my way to make sure people know how much I, I appreciate and love Gary. Um, a lot of people, he has a lot of haters. Everyone has haters at a certain point. He has a lot of people who hate on him, like for whatever reason. And they say he's fake. He's not real. Gary is who he is. Like he, what you see online, that's who he is in person. And, and I love and respect that about him. Um, and I learned a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton from him. But the two lessons that I outlined in that video, the first one being, um, 
your insecurities are the jail of your emotion. Uh, and that quote, I remember when Gary first said it to me and, and he said it numerous times, but basically what, what it means is when every, everyone has insecurities, like we all do, we're all insecure of something and of several things probably. But when you go out of your way to fully express what you're insecure about, a lot of times your insecurities will dissipate. They'll go away. They're not a worry anymore because insecurities, they elevate, they become more serious and severe and more of an issue when you feel like you're going to be found out when you, they're going to be exposed. And like, so for example, one of the, one of my most popular Instagram posts was when I came out, I was like, Hey, listen, I just want you to know I'm insecure about being short. I'm insecure about being bald. I'm insecure about uh, this and this and this. And I, I just listed them all out. And I said, this is because Gary told me, he's like, once you just tell people what you're insecure about and you make it public and you're not trying to hide it anymore, you own it. And once you own it, you own it. And no one can use it against you anymore. There's nothing to hide. And when there's nothing to hide, you don't have to create this facade. You don't have to put effort into trying to hide anything. You can just truly be yourself. And it was one of the most liberating things to learn. And not just learn, because I think, I think a lot of us intuitively know that. But I think a lot of the times we're subconsciously trying to show everyone that we I think we're trying so hard to show people that we're not insecure, that we're actually hiding our insecurities in doing that. And the more you can really go out and be fully honest about the things you're insecure about, whether it's your fitness, your business, your relationships, your own self, whatever it is, the way more liberating and freeing it is. And a lot of times in relation to social media, people say things like, oh, social media, it's just, it, it's so, I get burned out of it. I get so tired of it. Like it's so draining. It's draining when you spend so much of your time on social media trying to hide your insecurities mm -hmm. when you're trying to create this this image of a self that isn't actually yourself but when you are truly yourself and you're just presenting yourself as you are it's not draining because you're not trying to you're not putting energy into creating anything that's not real so that was the first one the other one was basically anytime i would get nervous or anxious about something gary would always say like what, what's the absolute worst that happens what is the single worst thing that could possibly happen and you, when he asked that, you have to really be logical about it. You can't be emotional. You have to logic. Okay, like what is the worst thing that happens from this? And almost always when you voice that, you discuss it, you realize that the worst case scenario really isn't that bad. Not to mention, you really don't have much control over it. Like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So yeah. then you have to adjust. So it's like, it's not to say that your anxieties or worries or fears aren't valid. They're totally valid. But what do you do then? Like what, what action do you take then? That's what's going to dictate the outcome. So you can spend your time just mulling over what you're anxious about and worrying about, or you could think about, okay, what's the absolute worst that happens? Cool. Now what? Move on. Take action next. And when you're taking action, spending your time doing rather than just dwelling, that's when you actually don't really have too much anxiety or fear because you're just focused on what you're doing next and moving forward and getting better. Yeah, dude. I think that... With the first thing is like to relate it to a coach. I think people need to remember too that as a coach, you're a leader and the more transparent you are, the easier it is to lead. The more people want you to lead them, 
right? The more people trust you, the more people respect you, and the more people are going to trust you with their body or their coaching or whatever you're coaching them in. And I think people trying to put on a facade is like the worst thing you can possibly do as a coach because it's not going to attract any clients. Um, and you're not going to be able to help them fully because you're not being yourself. So I love that you said that, man. And I, and the, the second thing makes me, I've said this quote on this podcast a million times, but a mentor of mine used to always say, action alleviates anxiety 100% of the time. Yep. And it's so yep. true. Like if you just take action, you'll stop fucking worrying about it. He's, he's exactly right. I couldn't agree more. So I love that, dude. Huge takeaways. I'm glad that we touched on that. Um, again, wasn't you know, planning funny. to talk gonna, too much. I want to interrupt just one second because I know this is a question I get a lot from coaches. A lot of coaches, one of their biggest insecurity is uh, that they feel like they don't look the part of a personal trainer. Maybe they feel like they don't look ripped enough or jacked enough or, or they don't look lean enough or whatever it is. Um, and they spend so much time worrying about that fear that they're, they don't look the part that it prevents them from posting content because they're fearful of being judged or whatever. Or, and one of the best pieces of advice that I give to coaches who are fearful or insecure about quote unquote not looking the part is to again like openly say that but then take people along your journey like show people what you're doing to change that and then document your progress i literally just did that so i mean for i coached gary seven days a week for three years my fitness went from elite power lifter to like relatively chubby relatively weak like i was still fit in the grand scheme of the world, but to my previous self, it was a, a huge um, backtrack. So I documented what I did to get back on track. And I was like, hey, here's where I am. I don't like it. I'm going to show you what I do. And when you do that, not only is it great for yourself because you're not hiding anything, but people relate to it. They mm -hmm. see you doing it. They can see the progress. Like usually the scariest thing is the most important thing for you to do. If you're scared about showing people what you're going to do if you're scared about, about how you look or not looking the part, the best thing you can do is voice it, make it public, and then show people the action you are going to take to show them what then they can do to do the same thing. Yeah, I love it, dude. I think that if you look at most, I mean, it, I guess it depends on your business. If you're coaching bodybuilders, it's different. But for most of us coaches, like we want to help as many people as possible. And usually that falls into a big portion of our clientele being general population. So if you're not shredded to the gills, you actually probably relate to the client hiring you a little bit more. So being transparent about that and sharing your journey and how you're changing it is probably going to be something that they look up to even more. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So I'm with you, man. I, let's, uh, let's kind of dive into program design. The, the reason, so this was even before I heard you on Joe DeFranco and Joe DeFranco just that podcast solidified it because you guys talked a lot about this, but um, it must have been not quite a year, maybe a year ago, I was working with somebody on just nutrition and they came on board and I always ask at the beginning, if I'm doing nutrition with you, like, what are you doing for training? Cause I got to, you know, see where you're at with things. And they were like, Oh, I'm in uh, science inner circle. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like what is, I don't know his style. I haven't dug into your stuff yet. So I'm like, what, what does your program look like? Are you doing a four day split? She's like, oh, I'll just send you a screenshot. And it was, I was like, you're on the perfect plan. Just keep doing that. like I would probably give you something just like that. So I was pumped to see that because it was a four day split up or lower, very like conjugate method style, but kind of tweaked for the general population. I was like, man, this is right up my alley. So I want to dive into that, man. Like what, what like, yeah, that makes me so happy. It's so, it makes me super happy to hear that. Like just because, you know, 
guarantee people are, are doing that all the time with our friends, with other people, like in forums, Oh, here's a screenshot of the program. Like, so to hear another coach be like, Oh wow. Like that's really well designed. Like I just love that. It's, it makes me really happy. Yeah, dude. And, and I was happy. Cause I was like, cool. You're coming on board with a good plan. I don't got to worry about it. But, um, <laughs> And I didn't even, and I didn't even try to sell her. Cause usually like, I mean, I have my own inner circle. So I'm like, oh yeah, you should jump in, in the elite. And that's our program. But she was like, well, I'm doing this. How's this look? I was like, honestly, that looks fucking perfect. Just keep, just keep yeah, doing I it. I love it. Um, but how did you start kind of shifting West side kind of conjugate method style training for the general population? Cause most people look at West side and they don't think like a 35 year old female trying to lose weight. Right. They think monster power lifters getting as strong as possible and, and metal music and tattoos and, and something I really enjoy watching and, and training. But um, I've always used their methods in a lot of what like Joe DeFranco kind of put out for Westside, like for skinny bastards kind of style training um, inside my general pop stuff. And it works fantastically well to do enough volume, but not too much, have enough intensity, but not too much, avoid injuries, hit the compounds. Like it's just an all around good program, but I'm just curious your thoughts and how you started molding it into your client's training. Man, it's, it's a really good question. Nobody's ever asked me this before. And, uh, like I, I'm super excited to talk about it, but I mean, I think what's really important to understand is people read anything but if we're talking programming whether it's starting strength or they're they're 531 or, or conjugate or west side for skinny bastards they'll read a program and it's like it's easier to to fit things into a black and white uh right or wrong good or bad frame than into a gray area and so when people hear west side they think they just think oh you're working up to a max every week and then you're doing speed work every week and they only see the way that west side does and they're like okay well that's just it that's just how you do it it's like there are if you understand the principles of good training if you understand the principles of max effort if you understand the principles of dynamic effort if you understand the principles of the repetition method then you understand that those are just the ways that west side adopted it for power lifters but you can adopt and use the exact you sh should use those same principles but change the methods to the individual it's a really important concept to understand that's why you can't just look at methods you have to understand the underlying principles of everything so that you can be a critical thinker a critical coach to really say okay cool this is how Westside does it for like massive power lifters like how can we take these same principles and apply them with new methods to a 42 year old uh mother uh, working part-time and her goals are to lose that, get bigger glutes and have a healthier, sustainable diet and get rid of her back pain. Like how can I use these same principles with different methods? And that's really where I think a lot of people lose it because they say, well, okay, so what you're going to have her like go to a, a wide stance box squat versus bands for a single, like, no, of course not. But like, you're going to use the maximal effort method in some senses, like you could make like for her, a maximal effort method might be doing like three sets of six squats, like with the safety, safety squat bar, right? Like just that might be the start to the day. And then from there going into more repetition method, but basically using the conjugate periodization as sort of like a shell. And then from there changing things, but you also have to remember a lot of people hear conjugate and they just think that just means max effort, dynamic effort. That's not the definition of conjugate. That's one version of conjugate periodization that Louis has really popularized. Conjugate just means being able to 
in, essentially improve at everything over time without seriously detraining any any components. So I think that's where a, a lot of training programs go wrong is where you focus solely on one thing so something else gets seriously detrained. I think the major benefit of conjugate is you're never letting any one thing get seriously detrained. So you're allowing everything to continue to grow over time. Would, would you say that that's one of the biggest benefits for general pop? Because I see bodybuilders that have like a strength, like one or two strength mesocycles in a row. And then they have like three to four hypertrophy mesocycles. And it makes sense because they're periodizing over a year. They're trying to get as big as possible stuff on stage. But when you look at general pop or like a client signing on with you for online coaching, are they going to be with you for three months, six months, 12 months? Who knows, right? Like let's utilize every day and every week as best as we possibly can. And to me, that's like that last part you said is exactly why we shouldn't detrain anything and we should be training multiple things at once. I a hundred percent agree. It's a super important conversation. Like I wish more conversations like this were happening. I, I love this because if you're looking at an elite bodybuilder, of course, like they're going to have to go through more uh, severe and more strict deliberate cycles in which they're focusing on one thing to bring up an individual weakness or whatever it is. And of course, in that time, something else will be detrained. But that is like for an elite, elite, elite specialist in what they do. Whereas general population, they, the amount of room they have to grow is so gargantuan. It makes zero sense to solely focus on one or two things when you could literally get better at all of them at the same time. And just the amount of space and room they have to grow, it's not only is it, I think it's, it's irresponsible to really put someone on just a strict cycle, solely focusing on one thing, especially if your goal is to get them to be able to understand how to train safely and effectively without you, which mm -hmm. I really think is, should be the major goal of every coach to get to the point where your clients can go on their own and do it without you safely and effectively and continue to grow and get better and teach them like listen if you want to add some metabolic conditioning at the end of it by all means here's how you do it you can do that if you don't want to add metabolic conditioning that's fine here's how you can adjust the volume in the rest of the program to make up for that if you prefer but like if you really want your clients to get the most bang for their buck in a general population setting understanding conjugated periodization is tremendously important I think like it, one of the big things that we've uh, in my team, we have a few coaches that work underneath me that we've kind of implemented our coaching that has helped us grow is that we tell people from the get go, like, Hey, our job is to teach you. We're educators and I want you to ask questions and I want to tell you exactly what, why, and how about everything we do inside training and nutrition, because at some point in time, you are not going to work with me. And that's just the reality of things. So if I don't teach you this, you won't be able to sustain it. And then I'm not doing my job. And I think that's where a lot of coaches fail is they aren't open about that. And they're not willing to kind of double down or put more effort into the education side of things with their clients. I agree. And not only that, a lot of coaches get upset when clients ask questions, which is mind boggling to me, <laughs> where like, like coaches get upset. Well, why am I doing this? Now I understand if you have a client who questions every single set, every mm -hmm. single rep, every single exercise, yeah, that can be obnoxious. And I've had those clients and I've said like, Hey, listen, I'm more than happy to discuss this, but if you're going to ask literally every single thing, like this is a completely different relationship. This is a different coaching uh, relationship. But if a client wants to know why it's, it's your responsibility to teach them. And I'll do that in the notes of my programs where I'll be like, like, 
explain why sometimes like you want to do this because of this is brief explanations a little bit here and there a lot of times do voice memos like a voice memo to them hey just so you know this is for this if you're doing speed work this is understand this like i want you to focus, like give them some external cues to understand how to do one thing and an internal cue to understand a different thing like make videos for them that's why i think making videos for your clients is, is unbelievably important having a video database not just with you doing the exercise but you explaining the exercise uh, i think a lot of a lot of coaches won't try and put videos of themselves online and there is value to having a, a 10 second video or even like a, a a gif gif however you say it where like you just see the movement done so it's a quick one but the best thing is like a, a two to three or four minute explanation where you give them the cueing, you give them the common mistakes, you give them things to look out for, like education so that they can do it on their own. That is, that is the ultimate, 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 ultimate thing. Because like you said, they're not going to be with you forever. Uh, and the last thing you want them to do is be done with you and then go on Instagram, see some motherfucker who has no clue what they're talking about and be wrongly influenced by them. Like you sh I think the best thing a coach can do is make an individual a phenomenal critical thinker. One of my my favorite quotes of all time. I don't know who said it. I wish I could give them credit, but is the best the best teachers show you where to look, but they don't tell you what to see. So like you show them where you where to look. You should give them enough information and knowledge to get people to to be able to critically think and analyze and question, but to also learn how to make it their own and to understand like, listen, this is how I do it, but I also want you to be able to feel free enough and have the knowledge enough to understand the principles, but change the methods based on what works best for you. I love that dude that I just wrote down that quote. Cause that's amazing. Um, and this is honestly, I love how eye to eye we see on everything. It's funny because um, I had a client ask me before and I, I don't see that many coaches do this. They were like, wow, I'm really surprised by your notes section in the program. Cause I have like my template and then there's like a big note section. And I was kind of like confused. I was like, well, how are you going to know how I want you to do the exercise? And I write, and this is going back to that in-person feel. Like I coached people in person for so long, learning the right things to say about how to get them to perform a movement safely, about like, you, like packing your chin or creating a neutral spine or tucking your tailbone and, and like little things like that. The way you explain it to somebody is how they achieve that posture, that movement pattern and so on and so forth. So like hearing you say that and then the videos and like, did I have an eight minute video of me going over like two reps on a dead bug? But like, that's what really teaches people. Because again, like I can do a dead bug and have no audio and you will have no idea what the fuck's going on. A hundred percent. Absolutely. It's, it's funny because as you were saying this, like I was getting flashes of memories from uh, one of the first gyms that I worked at at a college. And I, I just remember, it was so funny. I remember um, there was a, a class that I was coaching with one other coach and I didn't like this other coach um, because this was the kind of coach that they would try to use big scientific words to sound impressive rather than try and learn how to explain things in a way that everybody can understand. So for, I'll, I'll never forget this. There was a class going on. We were having people squat and basically one person was uh, – way overarching their lower back like too much and it was hyper extending their lower back and this coach is just yelling at this person being like posteriorly pelvic tilt posteriorly <laughs> pelvic tilt and i'm just standing there like absolutely like in in awe of how dumb that is in terms of like do you really honestly think they're gonna understand that or are you just saying that because like you want to sound sounds smart which a lot of coaches this transfers to their online content they use words that are just 
like most of my content is Harry Potter words and things that are like just super, just relatable people to understand. And I remember being, I, I looked at the person and I will never forget this. I was like, right now you're standing like Kim Kardashian and I exaggerated and showed them. What I want you to do is I want you to imagine you're a dog and you're a sad, scared dog tucking your tail in between your legs and boom, fix it immediately. And like, <laughs> these are things that you only learn as an in-person coach with people in person. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me a long time to come up with those cues. I tried a million cues before that. And then that one stuck. And then I have backup cues and then backup cues on backup cues. And like, those are the things that you'll put in the notes section in your program. People are like, oh, wow. It's like, you're doing a dead book. It's like, yeah. So I want you to imagine that like I'm, my hand is underneath your back and you're squeezing my hand as hard as you possibly can. Like thinking. And then some, for some people, external cues work well. For some people, internal cues work well. And you got to try them all. And like, it's just, you got to coach people in person. Not only that, for coaches who want to build their online business, coaching in person helps build your online business. There's just, it's coaching in person is the game at the beginning. Yeah, dude, it's so funny. I have a quick story that's very similar, and then we'll get on to this next question. But um, I was interning for a guy named Luca Hosevar in Seattle. And, oh yeah, I know Luca. Okay, yeah. So like, I worked for I worked at his gym for fuck six years. Um, but when I was interning, I remember like getting kind of comfortable, and a client was doing like a kettlebell deadlift, single kettlebell deadlift, and I wasn't saying anything. And he was like, you're not talking enough. And I'm like, what do you mean? Is this a, a fucking kettlebell deadlift? And he <laughs> like stepped out and coached it. And he like yelled, I mean, yelled in a positive way, but like 80 cues for like 30 seconds of a kettlebell deadlift during a boot camp. And I was just like mind blown. Like, okay, I get it now. He was like the intensity and effort of her kettlebell deadlift and her experience of being coached just 10x because I was thinking of cues that will relate to her. And I was telling her how to do it. And I was pushing the side of her knee so she would rip the floor and brace her hips and I was just like fuck that is amazing like that's when it really clicked for me and this is I mean I was like when I met Luke I was 18 years old so this was like the beginning of everything for me which helped me so much at the beginning but I couldn't agree more man I, th- I just think it's so powerful to hear somebody of your caliber talk about this because there the online coaching space is it's appealing. So I understand why people want to jump right into it, but I just want people to be patient and go through the, the work that it takes way well before um, you get to that point. You know, I, I read a quote last night. It was a, it was late last night and I don't know who said it, it was a skateboarder. And, and basically the skateboarder was like, you don't become, you, you're not a skateboarder because you like skateboarding and you skateboard. You're a skateboarder when you can't imagine not skateboarding when you can't stop skateboarding. And I was thinking about that in relation to coaching. It's like a lot of people get into online coaching because they think it's easy and they think it's a way, a good way to make money. Uh, that being an online, that doesn't make you a coach. Being a coach is like when you fucking love, when you are going out of your way, when you couldn't imagine not learning anatomy and physiology, you couldn't imagine not studying psychology and human behavior when you couldn't imagine not coaching in people person if you know it's going to make you a better coach and get people better results it's like okay i'm i'm i couldn't imagine just jumping right now on my coaching because i know coaching people in person is going to be the the best move for me long term like that's what makes you a coach when you are so driven by the idea of getting people better and getting yourself better that making more money or having a bigger following like that that's it's not that's bad, but if that's your driving factor, if that's your goal, like you're not a coach. Like that's, that's not what you're doing. Like you're trying to build a business and the best way to build a coaching business is to start by 
being a great coach, coaching business. Coach comes first. You become a great coach, then you build a business. This podcast is a hundred times better than I was imagining it being, dude. <laughs> I'm so happy we're going. <laughs> um, but I, I do, I, I want to touch on programming again before we get sucked in this rabbit hole. I'll have you on again. We can go off on coaching if we have to. But um, pr- going back to programming and conjugate, there's a couple other things I wanted to touch on. The first one is, you know, conjugate method, West Side, it's very upper, lower split dominant. And I tend to prefer that with a lot of people, but I still do like to use full body, especially if there's just certain people that will adhere better to a full body because they just enjoy it better. And I think that's pretty damn important inside of program design is like what the person actually wants to do. But um, I'm curious as to how you shift to a full body program. When do you implement that with people? Do you ever, do you still use the, um, the methods and the principles of conjugate method, West side method for full body? Do you completely switch it? I just want to get your thoughts on this. Um, you know, so basically the only scenario in which, I, I would use a full body program is if I'm doing like a, a two day a week or a three day a week split. Mm. And I want to clarify because even when I'm doing a three day a week split, I still prefer not to go full body. Um, because if you're going full body on a three day a week split, you have to be very deliberate and conscious and understanding that you have to have emphases within each day like you can't go hard full body every day for three days like you have to have okay an emphasis on maybe lower here and so basically if i'm doing a three-day split the way that i structure it is i start lower body and then i'll go upper body and then i go full body because i start lower body first because generally speaking like I've found that lower body gets way more sore and that soreness lasts longer. So I want to be fully recovered. Let's say I do full, uh, lower body Monday. If I'm doing full body Friday, that's usually enough recovery time for lower body. I could do uh, lower body Monday, upper body Tuesday, full body Friday. Now I've had enough recovery time. I feel good to go hard on that full body day. I think a lot of people screw up full body three-day week plans when every day is seriously hard full body. Um, if I'm doing a two day a week plan for someone who travels a lot or whatever, then I'll go full body both days. And like, I could go like Tuesday, Friday, and it's totally fine. Um, but again, I think that it's really about understanding the principle principles, because the way that I think of it is like, if you really understand the scientific principles of good training, then it, it will never make sense not to use some form of conjugated periodization within essentially every program you write like it just doesn't make sense at a certain point like i I would say for a a complete beginner brand new absolutely just starting out like sure you you don't really need much dynamic effort work like it, it just doesn't make much sense but anyone beyond that level like i don't see a reason where you wouldn't want to include everything within a micro cycle it just doesn't make sense yeah no, I 100% agree. Do you, do you, one of the things I want to ask you is actually kind of talking about, like you just said, if you go balls to the wall every, every time you do full body, um, you're just, you're screwed. You're not going to be able to recover and adapt and actually train well. Um, you're just going to be sore all the time. Do you tend to kind of wave or undulate intensities throughout the week, no matter what the program is? I see a lot of people that think every time they lift, they just got to go all in. And I think it's important to not necessarily deload every other training session, but you should have some days, and this is again, going back to the max effort and dynamic effort kind of method, but I think everybody should kind of have that undulation of intensities throughout their week. You have to, you absolutely have. And again, I will say 
the more advanced you get, the more important it becomes. When you're just starting out, actually, you know, it's super important as well because I think one of the biggest mistakes people make with beginner trainees is they're like, they know that they have newbie gains. And so like, oh, you got to push, you got to push, you got to push it. I'm like, yo, someone who's brand new, they'll get stronger with 40% one rep max. You don't need them straining super hard. Like just, you can literally go less than half of their max lift ever and they'll still get stronger because they're brand new. So like, what the fuck are you rushing them for? But then as they get better and better and better and more advanced, more advanced, more advanced, it becomes super important to learn how to undulate volumes and intensities throughout the week and throughout the, the month and the year because you're inherently going to be lifting a higher percentage of your body weight, more and more weight, and that creates a massive amount of stress over time. So you want to be able to essentially eventually learn how to do it, I think, intuitively. I think that's sort of where, where you reach. It's like intuitive eating is like the pinnacle of nutrition, right? I think intuitive training is the pinnacle of training where you can go in and you can sort of just go based on how you feel. But even if you're going based on how you feel, it's important to have some form, some knowledge or idea of, okay, like last Friday, I hit, uh, I went three by three super heavy deadlifts. So like this week, I'm going to go relatively low. Maybe my RPE will be like seven maybe 7.5 max. I'm not going to go above that because it doesn't make sense. And I know like just based on my experience as a lifter, when I hit like a max top three set of deadlifts the following week, I feel like shit mentally, physically. Like I just, I, it's difficult for me to get up to a really high intensity mentally, physically, emotionally, all that stuff. So I'd rather automatically bring the volume intensity down a little bit so that I'm not even, there's no reason to go up there because it's, I'm not going to get better from it. I'm only going to put myself at risk from a physical perspective and like I'll get discouraged mentally. These are all things that you have to understand is the mental side too. It's like, are you going to be discouraged? It's sort of like when you step on the scale, like, are you going to get discouraged that like your weight spiked up or like, are you just going to be strategic and logical about it and understand like, I know I'm not going to be as strong this week, so I might as well just bring the intensity down a little bit and be okay with it. I think there's like two big takeaways for coaches right there. Like for beginning clients, the minimal effective dose is probably the best route to go. Um, and then for everybody else, I, I kind of look at it almost like DOMS, like delayed onset muscle soreness, but from a nervous system standpoint, like you'll go hard in the gym and sometimes you don't feel like mentally taxed the next day. So you go hard again or whatever it may be, but it's a, a lagged effect and you don't want to get to a point where you're forced to deload because you just feel lethargic and depressed and moody. And you're like, what is going on? But it's because you just have just been cranking on intensity week after week, not thinking about what you're talking about right now. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's funny. Like I, I don't really ever the only time that I personally would take a full deload week as a, me as a personal lifter doing like my own thing is when I was deloading uh, to, for, like, to peak for a competition, when I was specifically like trying to super compensate for a competition lift. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I go by the day. Like I go and, and I have a very good understanding of where I'm at and like where I'll be able to be just like once you get to a certain point, you can sort of know, okay, like last Friday I did this, and then I did this. And so I know that probably around this time, I'm going to start being a little bit more tired, more lethargic. I'm not going to do as well just based on your, your history. So like, I'm way more open to going in the gym, be like, ah, I'm going to just take it relatively easy today. And when you're okay with doing that, then a lot of times you don't even need a full week deload. It's just like when you're smart with it day to day, then you can take a low day, maybe take two low days and then come back stronger rather than absolutely destroying yourself and then needing a full week locked full week off that's what i love about the rpe because i mean you work with a lot of clients that aren't that in tune or aware with their body as well i assume and 
having the RPE scale and teaching your clients about that is a super helpful tool to make sure that you, you can kind of avoid having to take deloads all the time or being forced to. Um, and, and I think everything you're saying is so valuable to listeners, man. I agree hundred percent. When we, as we're talking about all this stuff, something I get asked about quite often, I'm sure you do too, is the programming difference between men and women. Like going over everything we're talking about, where do you see actual differences between what men and women need to do? You know, it's super funny. A lot of people in culture right now, there's a lot of being like, they train, they train exactly the same, always train exactly the same. I'm like, that's like saying all humans should always train exactly the same. Like whatever happened to the individual, like you have to look at the individual, what the individual wants, what they need. Like, are there some men and some women who will train like very, very similarly? Yeah, of course. But there are some men compared to other men who are going to train completely differently. You don't base it on gender. You base it on the individual. And then also you have to look at just overarching trends and just basic facts of what like might work best for them. I have found almost across the board, women do much better with a little bit lower intensity, a little bit higher volume. Yep. Uh, they do better, especially gen pop. Uh, they do better with um, a little bit of more metabolic work at the end of the workouts. They feel better. They enjoy it more. Um, they, like it makes them happier. Uh, I found that women tend to, they tend to rest less. So as a coach, it's your job to make sure that they're actually lifting heavy enough in the beginning of the workout and making sure they're taking enough rest. Cause they'll sometimes, it's just too quick. They'll be like, all right, go, go, go. Like, and like, for whoever's listening, for whoever's like, and be like, oh, how dare you? It's like, this is a general comment. Generally speaking, it's not all women, but that's what I found after coaching thousands of women that you have to really make sure they're getting enough rest, lifting heavy in the workout and adding some metabolic work at the end tends to be a really good idea. Um, whereas men um, tend to be better, do better with a little bit higher. I, actually, you know, it's interesting with men. It's like, it really depends. It, it really, really depends both with men and women, but so goal dependent, right? Like for, I'm coming from the perspective of myself where I spent so much of my lifting career deliberately trying not to gain mass or size because I was competing at a lower body weight and I didn't want to get bigger and go out of my weight class. So for me, it was relatively high intensities, relatively low volume because I didn't want to put on too much size. Um, whereas I think from an overarching health perspective, but also for most men's goals, uh, a little bit higher, higher intensity, but also like making sure volume stays pretty high as well so you can gain exercise. But on top of that, really, really being able to moderate the intensity and be acutely aware of it, of like, listen, you don't need so much intensity to continue getting stronger. Like there, especially as you get older, the older you get, 30s, 40s, 50s, Focusing on intensity is, is, after a certain point, it, it's too risky. It's just, it's a little bit unsafe. It, it, is it really going to help? Is adding 10 pounds to their deadlift really that important? Like I'd, I'd rather focus on volume a little bit as they get older if they're not a competitive lifter, if they're just focusing on health and fitness and, and muscle and bone density. It's like you don't need to be always trying to up the intensity all the time. I love that. I, I heard this a long time ago, but this is when it kind of clicked for me. And I heard this when I was probably 21. So I didn't, it didn't click with me yet because I could train differently than I could now. But Jason Frugia said, what's wrong with 
hit or striving for an eight rep max on a dumbbell press or something along those lines. And it just kind of clicked with me like, yeah, like who, who the fuck cares what the exact PR is? Like, let's just focus on progressing period. And we look at gen pop or anybody aging for that manner that like actually cares about joint health. It's probably something to consider. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny. I was just talking about this, this morning during my workout, uh, we were vlogging it and, uh, it's one reason I like rep ranges like an eight to 10, we'll call it right. Because within a rep range, you give yourself a lot of room to grow and hit PRs that don't even necessarily include adding more weight. Because if you have a rep range of an eight to 10, and let's say, for example, you're doing a dumbbell bench press for with fifties and on, on week one, you hit eight reps with 50 week two, you hit nine reps week three, you hit 10 reps. Uh, then literally each week you've already hit a PR because you're doing more reps and then you can go up to 55 and go back down to eight. So rather than only focusing on using more weight for that rep range, now you have, you have for one rep, you have now a rep range that you can improve on simply by getting more reps in with that same weight. Yep. I agree. I use the exact same thing. Um, I have a, I have a couple more questions. I want to respect your time, man, because I know we've been going on for a while now, but I have one Dude, more. No rush. If, I, I love this. I've, no one talks to me about this stuff. So however long you want to stay on, I'll stay on until like Saturday. <laughs> I love that, dude. It blows my mind. As soon as you said, oh, nobody's asked me this question when I first brought up conjugate method, I was actually shocked. I was like, how? How do people not talk about this? And it's because nobody knows about it anymore. It's the thing when we was talking before we started recording, it's like, I remember when I was training at Westside, it was a big deal. Like people, like they knew what Westside was, but now because a lot of people are becoming coaches just because they see someone on Instagram doing something like, oh, I, I could be an online coach. It's like, oh, fuck. There's so much you don't know. It's like, people don't talk about program design anymore it's just i remember that used to be all people would talk about when i was reading online like it's funny when website articles were the main source of fitness information like program design all that stuff it was huge but when it's instagram now and shorter content it's now just hey try this cool looking exercise is it it's, it's all like sort of exercise base as opposed to like how do we take this exercise and put it into a greater hole and build a bigger program that's actually going to help people rather than this fucking five exercise swipe workout that some fucker is putting up and they don't even know how to incorporate it into an overall workout scheme for anything it's fucking ridiculous yes so this is that this is this is perfect because this is actually one of my questions for you like uh speaking of I don't want to say exercise sequencing and the people listening think I mean like oh pre-fatiguing your chest before benching like that's not what I'm talking about here but the sequencing of a program and how important it is to do certain things after another in certain days before a different day and like how your week flows and how the program flows and how your energy is throughout the program. Because the thing I wrote down is I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that everybody is so exercise focused. And when you look at a lot of programs, they're so focused on each isolated exercise that when they put them together on a plan, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And there's no scheme or rhyme or rhythm. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that and how important it is to actually put things in proper placement and focus on movement patterns and so on and so forth. I mean, it's, it's vitally important. It's, it's actually, it's crazy. One of the questions people ask me is like, what certification should I get? What certification should I get? And I don't know the name of, of this certification. Um, and I, even if I did, I, I wouldn't out them because I just, I don't like to talk badly about people, but there was this one coach that was helping with his program design and he showed me the, the, exercise order and, and i was looking at it and he put the power development near the end of the workout like these like power cleans near the end of the workout and i was like so why'd you do this and he was like 
well, that's what they said in, in the cert. And I was like, what? And, and I was like, no, I think you probably got that wrong. Cause it's a really reputable cert. It's a big, big cert name. Like it, it's a really big name. And, uh, and I was like, I think you probably got that wrong. And uh, he's like, no, he brought the book over and the book outright said like, you're going to put your power development stuff at like this point in the workout. And like, it was for like 12 reps. I was like, what in the fuck is going on? Which just brings up the whole other point of like, I think the best thing that any, any coach can do if they want to get better is fuck a certification, like go to a high level gym and, and intern for free for three months. Like yep. you'll learn way more from that than you'll ever learn for a thousand dollar certification. But um, exercise order is massively important, but then also understanding is one of the, the best things I learned from Louis. I'll never forget this. I, I kept a log every day of lessons I learned from Louie when I was there. And one of the lessons that, that he taught me, um, he was, he was talking about how people are like, well, the Olympic lifts are the best lifts to build speed. And Louie was like, that it's, it's such a fucking stupid thing to say. He's like, an exercise doesn't inherently make you faster. It's how you perform the exercise that makes you faster. Mm-hmm. It's your intent. He's like, if you're doing a clean slowly, it's not going to make you faster. If you're doing a clean with shitty form, you're not going to get more explosive. He's like, it's not the exercise. It's how you do the exercise. He's like, I would rather do speed deadlifts because it's the technique is relatively easier because like, you're not worried about like the bar going all over the place because like you can focus on putting as much speed and power and force into the floor without worrying about the, the other extra stuff that goes along with the clean, which is much more technique intensive or a snatch. He's like, and that was, intent and conscious behavior is super important in lifting in order to get the benefit of the exercise. It's not the exercise. It's how you perform it. And that directly impacts where it should be within the program, within the exercise day, but then also how many sets and reps and also the rest periods. Like all of this, it's, it's so artistic. It's like a beautiful art. If you really think about it, it all impacts everything else. It all, it comes together. If you really, really think about how each individual, if you can't explain every single set and rep in a program, every single rest period, every, if you can't explain why everything like in detail and you're just sort of like, well, like there's just because like you are really, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I think that's another reason why in-person coaching is so important because a lot of times online clients won't send you a big email asking these questions, unfortunately, which I think you should do the due diligence of explaining it before they even get the chance to ask. But I remember when I was interning, I was covering a client for Luca again, who owned the gym. And the guy was like, why am I doing sumo deadlifts instead of conventional? And I was just like blank stared because I was just filling in. I was brand new. I was like, I don't know, but I'll find out. And I went and talked to Luca and I learned a ton and I came back and I gave him the answer. And, and again, I think that goes to like, you should be okay saying you don't know, but exactly. Yep. But that's when I, it clicked for me, like, fuck, I need to know the ins and out of every single reason behind every single exercise I prescribe. Otherwise it's just, it's just words on a page. Absolutely. Like why, why this exercise or that exercise? Like why like three sets instead of four sets? I, it's when I interned at Cressy performance, it was funny. Like, I was there six days a week, seven hours a day. Most of it, that was when I got to be, that's when my coaching got really good because it was literally on your feet for seven hours a day, just coaching nonstop. Yeah. That was, that was the internship. And I remember at the end of the day, I would go into the, the programs into the files. I would just pull a handful out and I would study them. And I was, and I, Eric would get so Eric, God bless him. Like I would just go up to him and be like, why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Just like ask him like, Oh, and he, he literally limited me to three questions a day after that. He was like, you get three questions, make sure they're good ones. And uh, like, it's just, 
that's it's so important like you, there's nothing else to say like you have to understand that stuff you have to get it especially the higher level program design you're doing because it's just it's vitally important it's funny man that's what i used to i used to do the same thing to luca i'd take every program he'd write for the client or for me or anything and i just go through the whole thing and just wonder everything why but i i think that even goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning like if you don't have the desire to really want to fucking know why to everything i don't think you're really in the right space like you should really really want to know why behind everything how behind everything what to do when to do it that's what a coach is um so i think that's so important and, and besides interning because i give the same answer people always ask me like how do i learn more about program design then and i'm like well you gotta you should probably go intern somewhere or hire a coach and ask them questions or something but do you have any like book recommendations or anything because i know people are going to email in and ask me that after this well, actually, before I even do book recommendations, I want to say what you just said was super important. Like interning is, is I think, the most important thing. Like it's the best learning experience. Uh, if you're really passionate about it, then you're not going to be upset about interning for free because like the, the value and like the knowledge you'll gain will pay itself off like a million times over. Um, that being said, keep this in mind. I've spent the majority of my career as a strength athlete, like, a, like performance specifically for strength. And, and for me personally, for strength without size, I literally, uh, two weeks ago, hired a coach. I hired Paul Carter, who is an incredible bodybuilding coach who does like specifically for size because I want to learn. I, and I'm like more than happy to pay him to get programming from him to discuss with him because I am not an expert in that. And so if you want to learn, like I would say intern number one, number two, Hire a coach who specializes in what you want to learn and study their shit. Like when I was 18, I hired Martin Birkin because I wanted to learn like how he did intermittent fasting. And I studied from that. It's like, go to the people that you want to learn from and hire them. And then you're going to learn from them. It's the best way. It's, aside from interning, it's the best way. As for books, I would say um, Tudor Bampa is like one of my all-time favorite uh, periodization strength, tra periodization training for sports is like, one of my all-time favorite books because that really shows you i remember reading that for the first time and just looking at how all of the cycles were planned out and like how each cycle had delivered intent and like looking at how far out they were playing and how meticulous i just you don't really realize how incredible incredibly like uh intricate this is until you see something on that level and and bampa did a tremendous job of of outlining how to do different periodization styles and uh showing you like how to even how like uh it might differ for sport and positions within a sport like how you know obviously a running back isn't going to get the same type of training as a linebacker or hope you wouldn't like it's different training styles for different sports and what they need to display on the field and like what their strength and, and performance demands are. I think that was a really, really great book for me. Um, I think that uh, I do think starting strength is a good base for people. There's a lot that I disagree with, but I think it's a net positive. If you are a brand new beginner, like you just want to get into coaching, you want to learn like basic principles. I do think it's, it's worth a read. I would just say, don't even open the nutrition section. It's a waste. Do not like it. Do not read the nutrition section. It's outrageously, outrageously ridiculous. But, uh, this, the principles are in there and I think it's important. I also think the technique stuff is, isn't, uh, 
a hundred percent, but it's, it's a good net positive. I would say those are great books. Um, I would say the science and practice of strength training. If you're really into the science and want to really learn more like what's going on uh, on a muscular level and like a, a neurological level, I think it's really, really important and very interesting. Um, I would say special strength training for sports. That's a really fun book. That's like a, you get a lot of cool insights in there. It's uh, I, I think it, it was translated from Russian. And so like, you'll see a lot of like the drawings in there that like clearly like these like stick figures doing these exercises with that just, it, it was, I'm almost positive that was from, from Russian. It was translated into English. It's a really good book. So those would be my top ones for sure. There's, there's that quote. I think it's like uh, principles are few methods are many or something like that. And yes, 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 yes. That's key, right? Like all these books and the science and program, there's, there's a lot of principles that don't really change. Um, Dan, John, Michael Boyle, uh, the FMS guys, like all the great cook, all these guys, like they have so many principles they can teach you. And I think the, to add on to everything you said, I would say, go buy just programs, like go buy a Joe DeFranco program, go buy my program, go buy Jordan's program, go buy John Russin's programs, go buy all these programs and just see how people take all these principles and use their own methods to make it a plan. Because that's how I learned too a lot. Like I bought programs, I bought, I've coached with so many different people for my own fitness journey. So I can just see how they put shit together. And it just makes you really start to think differently and, and put things together in your own way. And I think that's how you kind of create your own style and pe- people begin to enjoy your program because your method is different, but you got to stick to the same principles. Absolutely. I love that. I absolutely love that dude. Like, fuck man, we need to hang out. I love this. I <laughs> fucking love you, bro. Like, holy shit. This is the first time we've ever spoken. I'm super impressed. Like, I don't say that lightly. One of my favorite articles that I ever wrote, uh, I think it was 2012, almost, I think 2012, I interned at Westside and I trained at Westside. And then a couple months later, I trained at Cressy. And Cressy, he trained at Southside Gym in Connecticut, which is a big powerlifting, powerlifting gym and they use conjugate. But when you think of Cressy Sports Performance, especially now, it's a baseball facility. Like he's trained baseball players from every major league baseball team he is the baseball guy like the number one mm-hmm. west side is the powerlifting gym and you would almost think like they can't be similar in any way shape or form like it, it wouldn't make any sense but what i did was and i think this is probably one of the most informative articles i've ever done it's probably gotten very little traction especially nowadays because it's just not sexy enough but i compared west side versus crested sports performance and i explained hey here's how west side uses the maximal effort method principle. Here's how Cressy uses the maximal effort at maximal effort method principle. Here's how uh, Westside does dynamic effort. Here's how Cressy does dynamic effort and explain like how it's not just within the exercise, but also the specificity for the sport and the athlete. And it, it shows you that the principles are there for each of them. They're both using the same principles, but they modify the methods to fit the athlete and the client. Yep. I love it, dude. It's so, so true. And this is where that individualization piece comes into play. Um, it's just, you got to tweak these things for the right person, man. I, it's funny. Cause like you said, we got to be friends. I'm like, man, fuck, why do you live in New York? You're across the map. <laughs> I'm in Seattle, dude, but it's true. I love, I love being, and this is why I love podcasting, man. It's, it's selfishly. I created it not even for a business plan, but really it was just like, I was actually doing Facebook lives and someone's like, Oh, you should just create a podcast. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So me and my friend created one. I ended up taking it over, but I was like, this is just a cool way for me to talk to other coaches around the world. And it's just been such a cool fucking thing. And I mean, you know that that's the beauty. 
like social media kind of has this like gift and a curse and there's obviously a lot of negative sides to it, but there's so many positives and this is one of them, man. Dude, I agree. And it's funny because after DeFranco and I did our, our podcast, there was such a good response. People were like, you guys got to do a seminar. So we did one in New York. Like I'd be interested to see, like, I would love to do a seminar with you on program design, like show people like, Hey, like in person, get some, I would go out to Seattle. I go to Seattle and like, just do a full like weekend or a day seminar, just program design, like show them conjugate, show them technique, show like really in-depth stuff that I don't think really anybody does anymore. That'd be super fun. Well, you guys heard it. It's said it's spoken into the universe. So we'll make it happen dude. Cause I would love to do that. Um, I, I've done, I've always done, I've, I've done a ton of free seminars on nutrition at gyms around the state and they always go over really well. And, uh, I had a guy travel out here and we did one and I took over, uh, I did a presentation on program design 101 and it was the most fun, man. I like got to dive into so many different topics and it was received really well. So I think that would be a good idea we can chat about. Um, man, the last thing I have for you, I always do a personality question before we close out the podcast. So the last thing I have for you is a scenario that you have to answer. The okay. scenario is, is you're sitting on a plane and you're flying to Japan. So you have a long flight ahead of you. You have two empty seats next to you. You can choose anybody to be in those seats, dead or alive, but they cannot be friends or family. So you can't know them personally. You have one book to read and one album, not an artist, but an album to listen to. What are you reading? What are you listening to? And who's sitting next to you? All right. Let's see. These are good questions. All right. You're going to think of, people are going to think I'm really fucked up for saying this. All right. So, so number one, the one person sitting next to me, Abraham Lincoln, like I, I'm a huge history buff. I would, I, I respect him a ton. I think like I've studied Abraham Lincoln a fair amount. I would love to talk to him more in depth and this is going to be weird. Now keep in mind, I'm Jewish and I've lived in Israel for a long time. I've studied, I've studied the Holocaust. It might sound fucked up, but I would love to sit down and talk with Hitler. Like, Dude, you're, sound, you're the fifth person that has said Hitler. Really? I'm not shitting you. And every time they say, this sounds weird, I'm probably the only one. And I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> that's so weird. Wow. That's the perfect example of feeling like you're a special butterfly. going to say like, that you're like, no one else thinks like you. And then, yeah, you're, like, you're the fifth one, motherfucker. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I would want to talk to both of them and like have listen to their conversation. That'd be super interesting. Abraham Lincoln and Hitler, you know, just shooting the shit. Yeah. Um, and then let's see, uh, a book to read. Now, I mean, I think it's sort of a cop out to say one of the Harry Potter books because like, I obviously read those a lot. But, you know, what I will say is one of my favorite books of all time, uh, it, it's, it's called Black Like Me. And it was, a, it was an unbelievable book, literally, where basically this, uh, I believe it took place in the 50s. It's a real story. It's, a, it's literally this guy, uh, a white guy, he went into the deep South in, in the fifties or so, and he literally pigmented his skin. So he, he was looked black and would walk through like Louisiana and then Alabama and like as a black man and then walk the streets the next day as a white, as a white man and document the differences that he went through in like one of the most racist times in our history. Uh, it was an extraordinary book. It was absolutely tremendous. So I, I, that one's timeless. Like I really like to read that one. Uh, it's also interesting, like just to sort of like compare and contrast today. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so there's that. And then album, this is really bad. I don't really know music albums very much or like music very much at all. I'm sort of the guy that like, there's a song that comes on and like, I don't know any of the words. So I just make up my own and like half hum, half, like say a couple words from the chorus. So like, uh, 
let's see. Uh, fuck. I don't know. We'll go with. We'll go. We'll go with something from Coldplay. Why not? Because I'm that guy. That's a good. That's a good choice. You can't go wrong with Coldplay. And for anybody listening who hasn't read or like done even just a little bit of learning on Abraham Lincoln, I highly suggest you do. Um, such a good person to learn from. I've re- I've read other books that like keep bringing him up into uh, into the story, into the lessons, into the insights of the book, and it made me go kind of dive into him and just so much interesting stuff about that guy. So much you can take. He away really from him. is. Dude, I feel like we just became best friends. <laughs> we just become best friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love it, dude. I love it. This there's is so uh, much blood everywhere. <laughs> there's, this has been such a good podcast, man. Seriously, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm glad we were able to do this. Uh, so much gold for people listening because, um, you know, we've done, we've done so many podcasts with so many different people, but I think you coming on and just it's such a practical fucking podcast with so much practical insights and lessons that I'm so thankful that you came on and, and had the answers you had brought up the things you brought up because it just, it clicked really well, man. So thank you for your time. And before you go, if anybody doesn't know where to find you, can you just drop your links to your website, your Instagram, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Well, I, I, I want to say thank you. This is without question, my top three favorite podcasts ever. I was not expecting this. Like it's, just I wasn't expecting this. It was super fun and very practical. Like this is the type of stuff that that I think people needed to talk about more of. So this was a, a blessing, and I'm super happy. I'm glad that we did this. Um, uh, I would say number one is is YouTube Jordan Syatt. That's where I'm putting like a lot of content and in depth. Doing actually like done some program design stuff on there. YouTube, uh, Instagram is really is like where I do a lot of content as well. Syatt Fitness. I have a, a podcast, the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. And that's pretty much it. Dude, once again, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up, or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of The Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.